Welcome to TC Tiawi Talks, Tia Chucha Centro Cultural, located on Tataviam land in the northeast San Fernando Valley, is rooted in ancestral knowledge, culture, the arts, literacy, and social justice as a means to personal and communal transformation. It is a place where hearts and minds have united for change for over 19 years. Join us as we share the stories of personal transformation and our understanding of the world that unites us as a community. We must remember that another world has always been possible. Tiawi, a Nahuatl word for adelante, to move forward. Like a spiral, together we move towards a better future, cognizant of the resiliency we carry from our past. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Tiawi Talks. My name is Andrea and I'll be one of your hosts today. My name is Karen and I'll be the other host today. And our guests today are Robin and Dolores. They're both social workers in the San Fernando Valley and longtime supporters of Tiachuchas at different capacities. And we just wanna invite you all, we wanna thank you for being here with us today and also invite you to introduce yourselves and say a little bit more about um, what you do and how you're connected to Dia Chucha. Do you want to go first, Dolores? Sure. So hi, everybody. Thank you for inviting me. It's such an honor to be here on this podcast and to be a part of the Dia Chucha family. So um, I'm affiliated with Dia Chucha first by just going and being a volunteer and and being in the space. Um, I think Tia Chuchas has been there when it first developed. I was very early on. I maybe just have graduated um, high school and um, attending college. And then I just became involved, started volunteering and eventually got on the board. And I served on the, on the executive board for 10 years. And then I think about two years ago, I shifted over to the advisory board and so I'm on the advisory board and still support and kind of step in as, as needed. Um, I am a social worker, a licensed clinical social worker, and I work part-time at a hospital. I provide um, crisis counseling, mental health support, and I also kind of am a person that develops treatment plans for, for people. So I, sometimes I look at different programs and try to connect them to resources both within the hospital and outside of that. I also um, just started a company recently called Weaving Wisdom, training and consultation. Um, right now I'm just doing a lot of support for nonprofits and grassroots efforts and um, just trying to support lower level social workers and also trying to provide, I think, trainings that are culturally censored and also um, in Spanish because I feel like there's, there's a real big... Oh, thank you so much. And again, I just want to express my gratitude. Um, thank you for inviting me to join you today. And thank you, Dolores. Um, we're very lucky to have you. And we're also very lucky to have Andre and Karen as part of the team. So, Kuali Tonali, Notoka Robin Gomez, Newa Chicana Huichol. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Robin Gomez, and I am Chicana Huichol. I'm very honored to be here today. I, I have been raised on Tavavian lands. So that's um, from the Fernandinho Mission Band of Indians. And I do wanna give a land acknowledgement for the lands that we're on today. And also what is now known as the Northeast San Fernando Valley. So thank you relatives, thank you to everyone. And I do wanna express my gratitude. Uh, I just got licensed. So I'm also a social hey. worker and I'm, 
Yes, thank you. I'm officially also uh, now an LCSW, so I am now a licensed clinical social worker. Um, part of my work that I do is um, I am the operations manager for Baku Cultural Community Services. We were founded by the Fernandania Tavavian Mission Band of Indians in 1970. So I'm very honored that I get to work for PUKU. We are a local nonprofit servicing American Indian families um, and also our neighboring support uh, community. And I'm just really honored that I get to continue the vision and mission of um, the elders that started um, this, pro this nonprofit. And I'm just so grateful that I'm there and the work that I get to do. I also um, oversee <clears throat> our Tuchint Youth Empowerment Program. So it's a youth diversion program that we do. We create social justice leaders by creating, um, uh, by reclaiming our indigenous knowledge from a holistic approach and we service youth 13 to 17. I'm also the MSW field instructor for Tia Chuchas. I oversee our MSWs that are collecting hours for them to come through grad school. And I'm also the board president for Tia Chuchas Centro Cultural. So part of my involvement with Tia Chuchas came very early on when I was a youth. I was very honored that I got to meet Trini and Luis. And um, when I was very young, I was about maybe 17, 18 years old. And um, we were just interested in making change and um, in my path to reclaiming our indigenous heritage. Um, you know, we wanted to see more, um, you know, circles and more um, cultural programming. And I'm very honored that Luis and Trini were like, yeah, go do it. I had no idea how to do this. Um, so I started working with them and I'm very thankful because I really attribute to part of my growth and the leadership skills that I attained was really through Tia Chucha Centro Cultural. I've maintained to stay invested um, within the last 20 years. I was raised at the Centro, I like to say, um, and I just found many caring adults and just wonderful people that really supported me. Dolores was one of those um, people that I'm very grateful to. Um, that really supported me, not only through my personal journey, but also through my um, uh, professional development. So again, thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you both. Well, um, we obviously have some very accomplished professionals here. <laughs> um, and that's exactly why Karen and I wanted to talk to you both, um, because of your strong connections with the Chuchas, but also because um, we know the long history of work you've done in our community, and we really wanted to talk about your work, but also um, what knowledge you could share to others during this time, which seems to be so wild. And uh, I think everyone started off the year like any other year with their own personal goals and also thinking, at least personally, I guess I can say I was thinking, okay, what, what's this year? What's this year going to be? It's going to be amazing. It's going to uh, it's going to be a mystery like any other, right? And there's going to be a lot of new things happening. But I don't think anyone expected this. And I guess that's what we're here to talk about today. I wanted to know um, how you both are feeling personally. How's it been for you since March, since the stay-at-home orders? And also, um, other than COVID, uh, the social uprisings too. And 
I mean, that's been going on since before the pandemic, but I think now um, the world is moving faster and taking, uh, acknowledging more of these issues. So I wanted to know how you guys are doing. Do you want to go, Dolores? Sure. So I kind of feel like it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. <laughs> um, I'm honestly, I think that it's COVID is, is really interesting because I think some people, I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, 2020 kind of attributed to the year or COVID kind of did all these things. And in a way, I, I, I disagree in, in some sense, because I think a lot of things, what happened is it, it took the veil off, right? So it kind of highlighted and it's exasperating things that are already happening. And obviously it impacts mental health, but in a way, some of these things kind of already existed. And some of the challenges that I, even I had or other people have are balancing all these roles, right? And like this capitalistic society and of not having time and always being challenged in terms of, you know, so many people that don't have a living wage, right? Don't have the ability to work or they have the ability to really provide for themselves and for their families. That was always there. But like with COVID and these challenges that COVID brings, either the isolation, the ch childcare issues, the access to healthcare, the access to, you know, mental health, or even um, the challenges in, in doing all those roles, you know, within the, the COVID with now a pandemic, um, that I think is, is just highlighting and, and stressing it out more. And in some ways, it, you know, we always have to adapt to change. So we're all, you know, that's where our coping skills, our maladaptive coping skills come in. But in other ways, I've seen it, it's taken me some insight and some growth. And in fact, I've had some conversations with Robin, who is also a great admin of mine too, like in terms of developing our own resiliency and reflecting and saying like, I'm grateful for COVID because in some ways it helped me to, to kind of slow down and to be still, which is something that I don't think I had in my life as much. And, you know, and, and in some ways, yes, I've had to work less and I've had to change my whole life, but those are all things that I wanted. I love spending time with my kids and my family and people close to me and, you know, doing some of that, obviously not in these circumstances. I wish it was under my terms, <laughs> you know, like nobody's forcing me to stay home. I want to choose to stay home, <laughs> but either way at the end of the day, like, like there's been a lot of beauty in that too. And there's been beauty, you know, in seeing us be able to recognize, acknowledge and address some real social issues and injustice that have been there for such a long time, like this uprising that has been a long time coming, you know, and, and, um, you know, that's just a little, I want Robin to contribute a little. Thank you, Dolores. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, for me personally, um, the way I kind of describe when I think about the pandemic, I think about a shift. So um, it was just really adjusting and aligning. And, um, you know, I really feel that within the multiple roles that I play within the community and um, how I spend my time, um, you know, I found myself every weekend, um, there was an event, every weekend there was a meeting, there, there was always something going on. And then with the pandemic and COVID, it was just like a shutdown. And I really felt like in the best way um, that I like to perceive this is kind of thinking as Mother Earth giving you a timeout, like saying, all right, sit home, you're, this is a timeout. 
Um, and I think about that analogy. Um, so with that being said, I really felt like it really called for a time where, as Dolores mentioned, is, is that we live in this Western society, in this capitalist society, where we have the busy mind. We're always being told that the way we're going to achieve happiness is by buying items, buying things. You need the latest this to be happy. You need to buy the latest product. You need to bring productivity. A lot of people tend to um, believe that their worth is based on productivity and grades. And this really took us for a shift to go inward, an opportunity to really go inside and really reflect, really think about what's important to us. And I think that that really led to the civil unrest that's going on right now is really how Dolores said, is just this unveiling. You know, um, as our work, as we started 20 years ago, we really started doing social justice work. And we really started doing a lot of this work to, be a, a, to address awareness about you know, inequalities and um, the things that were already happening in our community. And I just really feel like that was that unveiling, um, especially with our current administration. I constantly hear people saying, how is this happening? And I'm like, well, a lot of these things have really been happening since 1942, um, with the arrival of Christopher Columbus onto this continent. Um, and the, a lot of these practices were really used, especially the administration using um, the way to disrupt families and to separate families. That's a tactic that they've been doing for so long. So this unveiling, this being forced to sit down, to be still, and to really look around our surroundings and really reflect on how I connect to those and how those are connecting to the ones that we love. Um, I feel like that's what it did. Um, and at the same time, it really, as service providers, right, and also as a community, shift um, our, our thinking of how to stay connected, but also dis physically distant. And rethinking, reimagining our programs, rethinking about how to provide services, um, how to do things virtually, how do we continue and provide containment? Because we know that the arts is healing. We know that these things are healing. Um, but unfortunately, because of the dominant view world, a lot of the times it's seen as alternative healing. Um, so those are some of those things that I feel has really helped us to kind of move that shift and reimagine and really force us to think how we really can do things and the things that would really be in benefit of our community. And just as a final thought, I don't think there is a going back. I don't think we can go back to those um, systems that were not working for us and definitely not working for families. Um, so I really um, believe that as we move forward and we shift out that we're really gonna have to reimagine, rethink of some of these things and also our connections. And um, I, I just think it's an exciting time. It's a beautiful time to be native. I do identify as indigenous. I feel like it's a beautiful time to be indigenous because even though we experience all that intergenerational and multi-generational trauma, we also inherited the wisdom and all that resiliency. So I, if anything, I just think it's a good time to be in right now. Um, I think about our people who are alive today who really paved the wave and to see this whole new resurgence and, and, and the youth um, they're going to take us to another level, and I, I just think it's a beautiful time. 
Yeah, I could I could definitely relate to the slowing down part or forced slowing down and a time to reflect because even before mm -hmm. this happened and we were forced to stay inside, I felt like I didn't give myself much time to reflect. I felt like I was always on the go. And um, yeah, I felt like if I wasn't being productive, then I wasn't doing good. I felt bad about myself. And now that everyone has to slow down, I'm like, wait, it's not just me. I, everyone is taking time to themselves in their house. And we're like facing our fears, facing ourselves as well. I can definitely relate to that. I don't know if you like to say how you have felt, Karen. Yeah, thank you all for sharing. Um, I think it's really beautiful to, um, like, uh, you, Dolores and Robin mentioned, like, that uh, to think of the pandemic as an opportunity for creativity and growth and and slowing down. And I agree. I don't think there is a going back, or or that there that we should. Uh, I, or that I want that. I I don't want a going back personally, and I feel. Like, I have also slowed down, and I agree with you. Um, I think uh, the idea of productivity is, like, ingrained in us from the moment, like, you start school, <laughs> you know? Um, and it, it, it's hard to, to shift your, your thinking, but this is a great opportunity to, to work on that. Thank you. Um, also, I we wanted to ask you all what... Um, what mental health and well-being means to you, just kind of to frame the conversation um, so we're all on the, on the same page on what that means to you. You want to start? Is it okay if you start, Dolores, and then I just piggy off of you? Sure. <laughs> so in terms of mental health, I don't think that I, I take like a, a Western view of it, I, even though I practice here and, and, and in some you know, ways really work within the Western model. That's kind of one of the reasons why I have always done so much outside work and volunteered and supported efforts and finally put a name on something I've been doing for a while, the, the, the weaving wisdom is because I take much more like a holistic view on things on, on mental health. And I don't look at it as like a deficit base, like what do we need to do to prevent this person or what do we need to do because this person is already um, having mental health problems. I look at it as a way, uh, just like wellness, wholeness, like it's mental health is uh, kind of all aspects of your life, right? And, and all aspects of your life affect your mental health. And so I really look at it just as a part of who you are and everybody feels sad, everybody has feelings, everybody has that, but it's when all these environmental stressors happen, it's when like the, the system or the environment you're in, even politics, I mean, everything affects who you are. And so I look at it very much like a person in the environment, but also recognizing that um, in terms of how to, to heal, um, I don't look at it as traditional versus untraditional. I feel like everybody has a healing journey and a, a path. And some of that sometimes includes, you know, maybe talk therapy, you know, depending on the issue, maybe 
medication as well, but it's not limited to that at all. There's many other ways to heal. I mean, Tia Chuchas is a healing place, right? So being in the environment, you know, being outside, being in nature, that's medicine, the medicine that's within us. Like, so I think that that mental health is really just an aspect of our lives and, and so many different areas and every part of our life affects our mental health. And it comes out in every single way, right? Sometimes it comes out physical in our somatic symptoms. And we don't make that correlation. Like if I have a stomach ache, I mean, don't we say that? Like every time I say I have a stomach ache, my mom will be like, Te Are you mad? <laughs> you know, because that's connected, right? Are you what's going on there? You know, headaches, you know, is that anxiety or that sometimes we don't we make that disconnect, but it can come out physically, it can come out, you know, emotionally, these outbursts when we suppress it, right? It comes out another way. So I just feel it's a part of, of us, if that makes sense. I'm sure Robin will be more eloquent. <laughs> no, thank you so much for that. And I absolutely agree. Um, my experience with mental health is I, I was working as a mental health clinician for an outpatient. So I really feel like a lot of the training that I got was also around like evidence-based models and um you know, following those protocols and what that looked like. And it wasn't until I was able to kind of step back and really think about, right, what I've been taught and what I've learned as an Indigenous woman, and then versus what agencies and, um, you know, the Department of Mental Health and their requirements and what they consider as health. And um, I really feel like, um, in moments like that, it, it made me really reflect and I felt like there was a personal disconnect, but I also felt like when we think about healing, we also need to connect it to our spirit, to our physical, to our mind, intellect, and of course our, our emotional. And knowing that this and this is connected, right? My, my, my thoughts and what I feel and just kind of what Dolores was talking about, the somatic and everything that we feel does trigger down. And when we think about stress and what stress does to the body, um, and then when we think about all these other layers that happens, um, it's all interconnected. So I really appreciate your feedback and um, just reflecting on the holistic. And I feel when I think about the mental health, I also feel like from the holistic and um, all the different elements that bring in and what can really heal us and help us in those ways. So I'm very, um, lucky that um, one of the things that I wanted to personally do in pursuing my, my career was using, um, using the credentials, of course, so we can um, do a little bit more healing from a holistic approach and not just looking at mental health as a diagnosis and looking at symptoms, but also really looking from a holistic approach of what's working from us and what's not working from us, what, do we, what is needed on more of a spiritual our physical, our emotional, and our mind intellect. Thank you. Yeah, and to follow up to that question on what mm -hmm. mental health means to you, could you define what social work is? Okay, so um, for me personally, I will tell you that um, because of my upbringing, um, my experience with social workers really was revolved around DCFS and people coming to our house um, so that was what I thought was a social worker. And I did not think in my mind that I ever wanted to be a social worker. I wanted to be everything else but a social worker. And it wasn't until um, 
I found myself, um, education is really important to me. And I found that it wasn't just education in order to achieve education or just to stay retainment in school, you needed to be healthy, you needed to have housing, you needed to have what we now know as Mar Har uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which I just found out by the way is actually pre-Indigenous um, knowledge that was based on that. So I was really blown away by that because those um, interconnected of Indigenous um, ideology and philosophies that I was already um, looking to connect and integrate were already kind of somehow following along in, the, in my path. And with that being said, I just really felt like um, once I got into the social work program, it wasn't until I was in a ceremony and um, an elder told me, he's all like, well, well, of course, indigenous people are social workers. We, we, we care about the community. We look out for one another. And um, it wasn't until then that I was like, yes, like that's what social work is. So for me, social work, um, is just more than just a profession. Um, I look at it as collaboration, as a collective, um, but also just really um, learning the integrals of um, the intersectionality of what it takes and um, how all of these paths cross and disciplines cross and really learning to meet where the person is and being present with that person. Um, I'm still kind of like figuring that out what that is for me because um, I'm still um, kind of new to the profession. Well, I'm getting seasoned <laughs> into the profession, but um, for me, that's what it means. It really, I really took that term from what that elder mentioned to me. And he's like, yeah, you know, we are social workers. We look out for one another. Everything we do is revolved around social workers because we want to care about the well-being of others and each other. We want to care for one another. And I feel for me, that was the most impactful for me. And that, that's how I defined it. Yeah, for, for me as well, I feel like social worker was my calling, a social work, but I didn't really know what it was. I grew up, um, you know, I'm first generation born here, immigrant. My father had a third grade education. My mom had a sixth grade education. And so, um, you know, when it came, I didn't decide I was going to go to college till after I graduated high school. So uh, not, you know, first generation college too. I, I really felt like I wanted to do something to give a voice, right? To give a voice to communities like the ones I grew up with, but also to have like a different life, right? To have options because both of my parents, um, my father was a mechanic, my mother was um, in housekeeping, even though she ended up eventually like working at a hospital and getting a little bit better pay. But it, they, there were jobs that I knew that if, um, you know, they broke their arm or something happened or, you know, if they had any physical disability, they couldn't continue. And, you know, we struggled at times. So I, I kind of wanted something that gave me some kind of job security, but also that I felt good about that aligned with my values and aligned with what I wanted and to give me, you know, an outlet because I was rebellious in some teenage years, but also wanted to be able to really really talk and, and, and make change happen. So that kind of led me to social work, even though I didn't know what it was, but what I loved about social work and what I still do is that it's so broad, right? So it can work in the individual level in terms of like just direct mental health. It can work on, on the middle level, the mezzo, which is in the community level or in the larger level, like looking at societal stuff. And so, uh, you know, social work, I know that sometimes it's really there's like a stereotype of only DCFS workers or just this, but really social workers are everywhere. They're in 
you know, in schools and hospitals and community agencies and, you know, politicians, they're lobbying, they're everywhere. And so there's a lot of flexibility in the field. But um, true, true social workers, I think recently there's been a little bit of a shift. But I mean, true social work is rooted in social justice. Yeah, I like what you said, Robin, about it being supporting your community. That's what a social worker is, right? And I, um, I also never thought of my own work or anybody's work at the Achuchas as being social work, but as you've mentioned before, it's macro social work. And yeah. like, yeah, we do work with families. We like, um, we outreach to our community to see what they need. How can we better the lives of the folks that we work with? So yeah, thank you both. Sure. For and, and it's also, it's also part of the healing journey. I mean, if you put a label on it, you say it's preventative, like the, the art and the music and the outlet, how, who's to say that that's not an outlet and that a person's life isn't changed, their trajectory of their life isn't changed by having this outlet and finding it so early on. So I imagine that you both work with a lot of folks, um, with our community, with a lot of families, youth, right? Um, what shift have you seen in our community or the, the folks that you interact with during this time because of the pandemic or um, the social uprisings or even the fires now? There's so much going on recently. Um, I think that, like I said, some of the th problems that, that people have or that folks have have been exasperated. So one of the things is like, so if someone is in a bad situation or a toxic situation or in, in a family life that's abusive or something, that is, there, there's no outlet. There Maybe there's less way to get away. There's um, more isolation. I think that the vulnerable populations are the ones that are really impacted even more. That's what I've noticed. It's like, you know, all the essential workers who are still working, like the elderly, I feel like the elderly and the children are ones that are really being impacted. Um, not only in the, the kids that, that, that are out there, but like all these school-age children that don't have that social-emotional outlet, right, and are are brand new, even if, you know, to this new learning world and to being home. And I feel like um, <clears throat> it, it has impacted not only people, but also services, even though there people have, like some organizations have been really imaginative about, okay, we're going to just do things online. I mean, there are programs that are not providing the same level of care that they would have before. Yeah, um, one of the things that I'm seeing is a lot of uh, definitely the isolation, anxiety, um, uncertainty, um, feelings of hopelessness. So we have a lot of people, um, especially youth. We have a lot of youth that want to be out in the streets and want to go protest, but that they can't because their parents won't let them. Um, and of course, um, so finding different ways. And it's been really nice to support um, youth and other individuals that want to give back, that want to do something, but aren't able to do a lot. Um, I also uh, feel that um, our vulnerable populations are the ones that are definitely been impacted. And I, and I also feel like that was also used as a tactic by our administration. You know, they knew that, the, the, that, that this was going to impact communities of color. They knew that it was going to impact um, vulnerability populations. And this is part of why some of these things are happening and where, that's, where that is. Um, so, for example, when we think about COVID, COVID has been really been impacting, um, you know, people of color. 
you know, our essential workers, people who can't afford childcare, kids, um, we're seeing schools, um, they're dropping like flies, they're, they're not being there. And it's not because they don't want to be, it's just that the parents don't have the resources or even the language to support the kids. Some of our, our families are risking um, being evicted. And that's really lovely that a lot of our well-intended um, uh, policymakers want to extend that they cannot get evicted, but then they have to pay back that rent that they couldn't even pay in the first place. So um, I feel like those are some of the things that we're starting to see. We are definitely gonna see this impacted in the next generations and just overall how they're managing. But yeah, I, I really feel like those are some of the things in the areas that are gonna be impacted. Yeah, I definitely see a lot of like, um, and this has been going on for years of like our administration just dealing with things by covering it up with a bandage instead of looking for long-term solutions or even getting to the root of the problem. Um, but yeah, yet, just yesterday I was talking to Karen and she was talking to me about how a lot of older folks have come to Tia Chucha's asking for help about how to do things on a computer because it's not accessible to them because they'll call on the phone and they're saying, Oh, you have to do it online. But a lot of our, um, our elders or even like our Spanish speaking community, they're not used to having emails, not all of them. Right. Um, they're not used to being on a computer. Uh, so we didn't think about these things. It was just a quick fix, right? Oh, we'll go virtual. Well, like everything can be online. It's fine. Everyone has access to internet, but we've seen, opposite right we've seen I've seen articles with like kids doing their homework outside of a library to get the wi-fi that's not supposed to happen right no it, it really is showing like just the disadvantage and I think again like the communities of color are the ones that are really being impacted by everything by, by all of this and it's highlighting the fact of that that gap right the the access and the resources and, and honestly, because I think like I'm a two parent household with dual income and I've really felt challenged. I have twins who are six years old. They just turned six and I feel really challenged by the, the roles, but also the online learning and the Zoom and that because that just doesn't really align with with our lifestyle. My kids had never we had purposely not given them tablets or any of that. We, you know, and so here they are, you know, now they're resistant, not wanting to do it. And so. You know, it's just challenges all around. But I think that, um, yeah, even more so the learning part, I, I feel like like kids, um, you know, got so much out of school, like those children also as well that got them out of their environment or provided that stability and those meals for them. Like, you know, how many, there's so many, I have heard as well, like around here, like that they're, Schools are providing meals, but folks can't get there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just on another note that I wanted to add, um, there's um, from, from the families that I've been working with, um, some of the youth just saying that they feel safer because they don't have to go to school because they don't have to deal with bullying. Um, feeling safer, that they don't have to worry about shootings. Um, that one for me was the one that really got to me. At least I know I'm going to be safe and someone's not going to try to shoot me at school. And I was like, wow, I was, I was very taken back when I, 
um, when I heard those comments um, and just what they're feeling. But more than anything, I think right now is, is that, you know, traditionally there was all these caring, safe adults that provided that stability and that consistency for a lot of our, 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 our little ones and a lot of our youth and our, our kiddos. And now we don't have that anymore. And not only, but for, I feel for ourselves as um, adults, the containment and the predictability and the consistency of I woke up every morning, I went to bed at this time and I went into an office and I went into a space and I connected with these people. We no longer have that either. So um, I think definitely it's, it's been impacted and we definitely have all been impacted in some way. And, um, you know, our kids are watching us. They're really just watching us. I, I think about those things and, and how we can, again, go, going back to how we could stay um, emotionally connected, how we could still stay connected, but yet physically distant. But yet, how do we find and how do we bridge that connection and how do we maintain those relationships that are so vital and key in supporting us to get through this? Yeah, every, everyone's routines have definitely been um, disrupted and, and changed and continuously adapting. Um, uh, you all kind of already touched on this a little bit. Uh, we, we were going to ask uh, about the shift to uh, virtual learning and working remote and uh, I don't know if there's anything else you all want to add about that. Maybe, maybe how that's um, been going for you personally and like how do you find balance? Um, Y'all both do a lot for the community and now you all have your kids at home as well. So if, like how has that been for you all personally? For me, I think I'm, I'm, I'm in a better place than I was in the beginning of it. In the beginning, I felt like I was really having growing pains and adjusting and having to do it. But at the same time, like, like if you would have told me I have to adjust my whole lifestyle and our work schedules and everything, you know, to accommodate this, I probably would have thought it's, it wasn't possible. But, you know, it is. Everything is possible, right? We change when we're forced to or with motivation. And, and you know... And in this uh, situation, it was a little bit of both for me, but um, I think I, I've been able to recognize some of the gratitude and also like just be present and give in to the moment. I think for me, it's really provided some time where I can do more things. Um, I always kind of, because I have twins of the same age, so same developmental need, I always kind of feel like I'm in school, like in preschool, so we we do things. So it's like, okay, let's go pick oranges. Let's make orange juice. Let's take turns. Like, so it's it's always I'm always doing a group activity. <laughs> Anyways, so I think for me, I, I've just been able to lean into that a little bit more. Like we're home, we're here. You know, let's enjoy some time. My mom lives with me. I'm like, let's make some great dishes, some tortillas harina. Like we have the day. We have this. Let's enjoy this time. Let's you know do that so so I've been able to enjoy some of that but also um sit there and be creative and align you know and 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 find fun and do stuff you know we watch movies outside uh we used to go to the drive-in so we you know do things here at home and just really kind of reconnect even though we've never left but just a deeper connection within ourselves so so that has had, but then there's other days that are really bumpy, right? Where it's like all these different roles. I've given, for the part-time job that I have, I had given, been given the option to work at home and I chose not to. And everybody went for that. They were like, I think people thought I was crazy not to do that. But for me, it's like, 
my home is my home. And I just didn't feel like it was fair to make everyone else accommodate, you know, for me and, and, and have to take up space here in the house and, you know, everybody quiet and just because I would need a certain work environment that would be very challenging. So I chose not to. I chose not to work at home. I chose to continue going to the office. And I've worked with patients. I've seen patients face to face. I have the ability to decide, you know, yes, I want to see you. And because I work with a lot of crisis patients, there's a lot of times I've chosen to, to, you know, come in. And I've even met with a homeless person who I remember everybody's like, oh my God, that person's so high risk. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm going to see them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, you know, and I just take the precautions I can. I, I can do my best, right? And, you know, thankfully I've been safe. I've been healthy and all my family has too. So it's been, it's been an interesting, you know, challenge and balance. Uh, thank you so much, Dolores, for sharing that. I also feel um, similar to Dolores. Um, when I've had those opportunities, um, of course, with COVID and restrictions um, and all those other things, in the beginning, it was very a sh um, shift just because um, right when the pandemic happened, I already knew I was going to transition jobs. I was already looking to move out of my my current job and then move into the job that I now have. It just so happened that I did all of that in during the pandemic. So it was also coming into the new space and learning um, about my new role and my new job. I just started with Kaku in um, April. So it, and and I gave my 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 two week notice in March for my other job. So I really came in in the cusp of that. And we have a wonderful team because they really worked everything around and shift everything virtually. But I think um, one of the things that I found that I think that was really helpful is, is that one is, is that, um, you know, I, 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 luckily we have the space and I, I do acknowledge the privilege that we have. Um, but I also feel like um, we needed to create some space for some connection and how to do that. So I think for me, it was just really, um, I, I've had supportive people that I stayed um, connected to. So, um, for example, I really stayed connected to um, Ardanza. That, that was all really nice that I, I like to do and to connect to that. And then um, there's also a women's group that I stayed connected to. So that really helped me to contain those um, connections that I had in those spaces um, and those outlets. And then really starting to shift on um, the importance of just doing consistent, knowing that when you go in, there's this space. So I found myself um, accessing um, certain positive, like, um, you know, people that promote positivity and offer affirmations in the morning, starting off that way and kind of thinking of being more intentional about my day. And then realizing soon that I couldn't be there for everyone. So really, um, you know, holding those boundaries. And from this time to this time, I'm going to focus on this. So that really helped me um, and also develop the flexibility of what I needed for my family. Um, but I think what was um, the most challenging um, for me on a personal note as a parent is I had one child coming out of high school and one going into high school, which means one of my kids is now in college. And now one of my kids just started high, um, high school. So I think that for us was definitely um, one of the challenges, just trying to adjust to these, like, there was a lot of grief in that. There was celebrations. 
um, you know, ceremonies, um, things to really highlight and recognize um, those milestones. And then now we were um, taken back and now starting new milestones without the traditional ones. So really finding how to stay connected, um, consistent, um, and, and trying to do that the best we can. And then there's just some days that just that's not available. And then we just need to shift. But I think more than anything, it's just being present, enjoying the present, focusing on what am I need to do now? How can I maintain this now? And I think more than anything is just um, maintaining those relationships. Again, I just keep going back to those relationships that are so key and vital. And um, for me, the HHS has really been that space. Um, not just for my growth, but just even during now, during our pandemic, and, and maintaining that space, maintaining that consistency, maintaining, remaining those connections, um, and things that we look forward to. Thank you. Well, you touched on the next question as well, which is great. Well, great leading up to, I was going to ask um, when we've talked about how it's been like a roller coaster, or in some way. Uh, like waves I'd like to think of it where sometimes I feel really good high and then down um, and then you're kind of just writing it right you're kind of writing the wave um, when you are at your low points when you're feeling afraid or when you're exhausted because of all these changes or all these life stressors what do you do to to help that I know that sometimes um, I feel like sometimes you just have to write it you have to feel angry, you have to feel sad and just be patient and feel and let yourself feel that. But um, is there anything that you'd like to do to overcome that or make yourself feel better or remind yourself that it's going to pass? Or, um, or if you'd like to give any um, encouragement to folks out there who have been feeling exhausted or, or just have been grieving a lot. There's a lot, right? There's a lot of emotions, grieving, anger, sadness, depression, anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to start, Dolores? Sure. Well, there's so much. I was thinking, yeah, you know what? Um, I think, you know, Robin touched upon it a little. And I think for me, um, before even COVID, when 2020 kind of hit in 2019, it's been a long wave coming where I've really felt like I've needed to be more intentional. Like I kind of was describing to somebody that sometimes I feel my life is like de panzazo, you know, like that, that turn that you just kind of roll with it, you kind of figure things out as you go. And, you know, I have a lot of control in that and sitting there saying like, okay, I'm going to be intentional in my everyday, but also in my efforts and what I support in terms of saying, okay, where, what am I going to do? And, um, and how, how that looks at, it. and I've realized that the more I'm clear about what I want to do and who I am and, you know, what I need as well, the more, like, the more I fill my cup, the more I have to give. And I remind myself, mm -hmm. like, you know, I have resiliency, like the medicines within me, I try to find ways to ground myself. And, you know, um, whether that's like burning some sage, whether that's being in ceremony, for me, it's always like, so many times, if you shift your environment, if you're indoors, and you go outdoors, I mean, that in itself will, for me, always improve my mood sometimes. And it depends on what's happening, right? So when I work with patients, I always sit there and say, let's create a toolbox for you. Okay, there's not one fix for anything. It's depending on what you feel and what you need and what may match the emotion, right? 
if you're, you know, feeling despair, it's much different than feeling, you know, just a little bit of sadness. So that goes for us too. So sometimes, but sometimes my kids are my medicine, right? And it's just tuning in that, reflecting them, looking at the world through their eyes. Sometimes it's, you know, my partner being with my husband or my mom or my family. Sometimes it's me needing my alone time and really filling my cup and saying like, I need to step away. Sometimes for me, it's always like music for me is something that always changes and impacts my mood. So sometimes it's like, let me just put on the music and I'm going to have a dance party for five minutes in my living, you know, in my living room or in my kitchen. And then I'm going to do these dishes, you know, like, it, or do it alongside with it, you know? So I think it's knowing yourself, knowing, you know, how to access these things. And, and sometimes it's also reaching out. I have, I'm very blessed to have a big community of people that support me and comadres and I think Tia Chuchas to me is like a healing space as well and everything that it's offered and so so it's 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 all kinds of different things so if I had any advice to anybody it'd be to look at their medicine within to remember that that they have to think of things very simple and saying what's going to improve my mood right now what can what can just improve my mood just a little bit and looking at their options and what they have and seeking out support and trying to, to you know, um, focus on themselves as well. What will be healing for them? What can they do to, to fill themselves a little bit more to then continue on and ride the wave and push forward? Definitely. I, I feel for me, um, because I, I truly believe that I'm a part of a collective. I feel like I'm part of um, I'm part of something more than just myself. But I also am very honored and blessed for people believing in me and 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 seeing and recognizing something in me and knowing that I I bring that connection to others and knowing that I'm not um, alone in that way. But there are those moments where you hit that, where you feel really down and you just hit the, 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 the despair and you hit that hopelessness, especially with things that we constantly keep seeing in TV, on the news, through um, social media. There's been times where I've even had to shut it and go in a quiet space and um, just ask myself, what is the lesson? But it's interesting because um, what I have heard as mindfulness, I think of prayer. So um, I, I really like to pray a lot. I like to sit with my altar a lot, um, attending to it, um, being in connectivity. Um, that is something that has always really helped me. Um, there's times where I've had like challenging sessions with clients and then I just I do a prayer or I sing or I do something because I feel like I want to offer them, but then also replenish um, just kind of what Dolores was saying, replenish the cup, right? Finding those ways, whether it's being outside in nature and just getting five minutes or putting my feet on the floor or just really connecting to, um, you know, to my spirit and asking myself, but I think what's really helped me personally, and I'm actually very happy to be a part of, is I really appreciate all the organizations that have been providing free online, um, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, all these different talks and have been putting on consistent programming. Um, I think that's really been helpful. 
Um, I really appreciate the Indigenous Circle of Wellness and the, the um, wellness um, programming that they've done. I'm very honored that through Baku and um, the Indigenous Circle of Wellness, we had a series. And attending those really helped not just me understand myself, but then also how I can give to the greater community. And then also the things that we've been doing at the Achuchas, um, for example, some of the drumming, um, the art, um, the art sketching, um, all those things have been really incredible. I love them. I love when I get my little notification, uh, the Achuchas is going live. And I'm like, yes. And I just get to hear different things that are going on, the poetry or the singing, whatever it might be that's going on. I feel it's really been consistent. And also advocating um, as for our agency for PACU in terms of doing uh, what we call the PACU party hour. So it's been consistent every two weeks, you know, we meet and we put something on for the community and we just have laughs, whether it's been bingo. Lately, we've been doing um, different things around the census, having fun events around that. We had a virtual live powwow. So it's all these different things that I feel for me that um, have provided that connectivity that ability to know that um, we're bigger and how to connect, even though it's again in a distant way, I think has been really neat and has really supported um, to ground me. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just really grateful that I've been able to share a little bit of the knowledge that I know because I'm a life learner um, on how, what that looks like grounding, doing some exercises around that. Um, but I think more than anything, just really following your own advice. Sometimes I think if this was a client, what would I say? Or how would I address that or look at that? And then I think like, that's the answer. That's what I need to do. Because along those lines, um, you know, we are the medicine. And we are that connected medicine within us. And when we come together as a community, then we uplift one another and then we become what um, Leah Denny has coined as community activated medicine and with um, her wellness um, institute. And I just think those are beautiful things. So finding those key connections, finding those different things to the spirit, finding different things, what we're doing for the body, for the mind, for the emotion, for the spirit, I feel for me has been really allowed me to connect, but also practice what I'm asking others to do as well. I feel like we've gone full circle talking about like what we were mentioning in the beginning of finding mental health being all aspects of life and finding that balance. And now mm -hmm. I feel like I'm hearing this stuff again with um, filling our cup, right? Maybe taking, mm -hmm. a, a paying attention to our spiritual side, what we need in the aspect or what we need on the physical health side, what we need mm -hmm. to eat, um, or who do we need to talk to um, and just filling our cup in that way. I love that, that um, imagery of just like, what do I need? What, what water? Like, <laughs> how am I going to fill it? Yeah. Up? Cause um, I, I, I can't give to you if I don't have anything. And yeah. sometimes that happens. Yeah. We deplete ourselves, but then we don't bring, we don't give that. So right. That take and pull that give that balance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and I think of reciprocate. So, um, yeah, so I would definitely think about that. Yeah. And um, also going back to just how you also mentioned this, Robin, about looking within ourselves um, instead of thinking that the answers are beyond us 
Um, and I think that's important to take in mind. I think often we hope that people will save us or, or they'll give us answers. But really, I think um, just having social support or having that friend or family member to talk to someone else who's going to ask you basically the same thing. Well, what do you want? What have you been missing? And you're going to answer yourself what, what you need. So thank you. Um, you also um, brought up PAKU and the Indigenous um, Wellness Circle. So mm -hmm. we wanted to ask what resources are there out there for folks, um, whether that's organizations like the Etriches and PAKU or mm -hmm. websites, helplines, um, what have you found helpful to reach out to and what's available? Because I know that mental health can often seem very um, unattainable to some folks or it feels like, oh, I can't afford it um, or, or it's not for me. So, but there's different types of mental health resources out there. So yeah. what, what can you tell us about? So I know I mentioned a couple of them already, but I did want to talk about, highlight on one thing. A lot of the times when we think about therapy or we think about mental health, we think about that I need to go to someone. But the truth is, is that you touched on some of those things, Andrea, reaching out to my supports, reaching out to, that could be therapeutic. That could be healing. Uh, listening to the music, that can be healing. Writing out, listening to poetry, um, because that connects us to spirit and connects us to other things. So one of the things that I would kind of like to leave is that sometimes giving someone a hug, right, within our families, and right now we can't do that. But just saying, I, I see you, I, I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you can be therapeutic. It can be do, doing that. Um, spending time with our little ones, um, even if it's just reading a book um, or joining in with little libros um, together or just watching it together, that could be therapeutic. We're in a space where we're, we need to rethink about healing and we need to think about these things that some of these things that we do already in our daily lives can be therapeutic. Um, and I think those are the things, it's how we view it and how we look at it. But um, sometimes those things, maybe listening to a podcast can be therapeutic. Listening to an audio book can be therapeutic. Um, so it's, I think sometimes it's how we view those things. Dancing can be therapeutic. So I think it's beyond imagining that, you know, be going to mental health or being it has to necessarily just be with a professional or needs to be with as, as well. Um, we need some of those. And sometimes we do need that, that immediate service. But I, I really feel like it's how we look at that, too, and that these little things that we do in our daily lives can be therapeutic and healing. Sure. Just like Robin said, it's how are you connecting? How are you connecting to yourself? How are you connecting to the outside world? How are you connecting with your loved ones? And um, and, and really trying to, to build community if you don't have one. And so I think for some of those people, like the elderly or certain people that maybe don't have those connections, that's where they're really being challenged. I have heard that there are like a lot of, like there's a friendship line that was formed. There's um, the senior golden line, I think. Um, there's a lot of hotlines and friendship lines and a lot of services that are, that are being developed or are kind of being shifted towards um, <clears throat> told older adults, like I know in um, the, the community I work in, uh, we work closely with an organization mm -hmm. called One Generation that is providing um, meals 
home delivery for people that are homebound or not, um, you know, able to cook for themselves. And I know that groceries are being delivered. And so there's ways to try to, you know, if you don't have that, uh, that support within your own community to build, you know, formal support. So I know that that's been happening a lot for the, the older adults, which is really nice because I think the elders are really respected in our community. And I don't know that it has always been reflected in larger society. So I like to see that they're being taken care of a little bit more and hopefully it will continue and we'll build upon that. But there are a lot of like, it's always been around, but there's also crisis text lines and I know there's like 24 hour lines. And so there's all those formal supports, but again, that's that balance, right? Is sometimes that formal support needs to be, um, you know, combined with the informal and the, the things within, you know, your circle and within yourself. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And just to add a little bit more, um, you know, if you live in LA County, you can go ahead and call 211. So it's a definitely a resource line. The only challenge is sometimes when you call 211, you're not really sure what you're looking for. And that can be a challenge within itself. So if you can kind of think a little bit more of going, going to their website and just kind of strolling and looking at the different categories, that can help you a little bit before you call. Um, so I know there's those supports that are out there. Um, you definitely have the food bank. So around social media, you do have a lot of different organizations. Follow your local politicians. Um, and the only reason I say that is not necessarily to say that you're, um, you know, you may or may not support them, but they're doing a lot of different food banks, drives. Um, they just provide a lot of different community information that I feel is very helpful um, to connect to resources and things that you need. Um, here in um, the San Fernando Valley, um, we do have Paku Cultural Community Services. So we do offer a array of cultural community services, but also we have our emergency one-stop services. So that's also intended for people who are, need those emergency services. If you call our number, then they can also let you know if the food delivery, because we also do provide delivery for those that are vulnerable with disabilities, pregnant, and also with our elderly. Um, there's the Tuchinth Youth Empowerment Program. So we provide a lot of social, uh, a safe development, a safe space for our kids to develop. And we focus around a lot of cultural programming. So we want to connect the kids to some of these things that I was touching upon from a holistic approach of looking into the spirit, the mind, intellect, emotional, and then also the um, just overall um, wellness that we look at. Um, so those are some resources that are here in the community. Of course, we have the Achuchas, which has an array of different cultural arts that are already available that are there. And um, so I love the yoga. The yoga has been awesome in the mornings. Uh, so I really enjoy that. Um, again, YouTube, um, I've been going back and looking at some of Wendy's La Guayaba Kitchen and some of her cooking tutorials. So that's been really good to nourish the body. So there's a array of different organizations in the area. You have Pacoima Beautiful with their youth projects that they're doing as well. Um, things that, 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 that um, um, programs that are available as well, um, that are through their programs that they have. So I do know that they have youth programs available. Pueblo and Salud has been doing great work around um, community organizing and learning how to do be more do more civic engagement. So that's as well. You have Radio Olin. That's been a great one because um, people are connected to different services and services providers that are out there. Um, so you definitely.
actually have a lot of community groups that are out there. My apologies if I missed one. Um, it was unintentional. I'm trying to think of the top of my head of the ones that we service. Um, you can definitely call the Department of Mental Health. There's a 1-800 number there that they can connect you to the services that you definitely um, and directly need. Um, so yeah, those are a couple. I know that there's more. Um, the city of San Fernando just launched um, some uh, a, a program. So if you are a resident of the city of San Fernando, if you go to their main page, you'll be able to download an application where you can get food that's available and that's going to be starting to be distributed regularly. Um, so yeah, I know uh, Sheila Kuehl's office, New uh, Martinez, Monica Rodriguez and all our other uh, elected officials have been partnering up with other organizations to do food drives and food banks that are there available. So there's definitely um, uh, services that are out there that we can connect to. But um, another one that I really um, appreciate is the CARES line. So they are CARES lines that you can call directly and that's also found through the Department of Mental Health. LAUSD also launched a CARES line where you can call and get support. So that's available through their website as well. And then um, of course, um, one that I've been utilizing personally has been through the Her Wellness Institute. Um, they're a, um, a nonprofit based out of Milwaukee. So um, they also have a CARES line that I personally have used. And of course that they have a lot of programming that I've been a part of as part of my wellness. So those are just to mention a few, my apologies, because I'm pretty sure I've, 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 I forgot some, some because there's so many, um, but there's a lot of great programs out there. Um, I definitely invite you to reach out to us. I'm pretty sure we, we can connect you to somewhere, um, but you know, we really do hope to be here for the community as a, as a source and, and support. Thank you. Yeah, that was a lot of resources and um, we're going to do our best to link them all in the description um, for the podcast. And if you forget, if you remember any, you can always send them to us and we can make sure to add them to the description. So thank yes. you so much. Um, and we definitely have the Women's uh, Resource Clinic um, that was founded here in the Northeast San Fernando Valley and they have consistent um, Sunday and they um, uh, Wednesday meetings that they just started co-ed meetings that are available as well. Um, they really there, especially um, advocating rights of women and children and uh, they're a domestic violence advocacy group. So yes, we have tons that are there um, that I said, um, but yeah, I just, you know, there's, there's so many resources out there right now. Thank you for sharing. And of course, you had mentioned, though, that you hope to be a resource as well. I feel like already just talking to us and sharing is already a huge help. Just I, like you said, hearing podcasts is sometimes very th therapeutic. I feel more relaxed than when we first started. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> we were talking about how we were a little nervous, but that just comes to show how how much of an impact social support has on people's mental health and how you're feeling just connecting to people even if it's virtually it makes a difference so thank you so much for being here i don't know if you, uh karen would like to add yeah um yeah i was just gonna invite you all for any closing thoughts
Um, closing thoughts that I have is just if you have not checked out the Achuchas, if you haven't been to the bookstore, if you haven't accessed um, any resources, please go ahead and do so. Um, I really have been so thankful of being a part of the Tia family. It really has impacted like not only my personal life, but I believe my professional life as well in terms of them. I mean, Tia Chuchas is much more than an organization, right? It's there and it would exist even if we didn't have a physical space. I always remember Trini saying like, this is community it exists because people give their time or give their money. And I'm always so amazed by the work that is being done there that is so much volunteer run but it, it really is a space that I kind of feel um, reflects and is very similar to just unconditional love this acceptance of as long as you align as long as you you um, you know are the vision that you have aligns with the achuchas you you're embraced and you're there and you can grow and how many programs haven't been developed there or in how much programming and how many of us haven't done things there when my kids were young I actually did a bilinguals babies program you know because I said like let's try to help you know um, family literacy and why not do it and you know I did that for a little bit and, and that's just one example but I just feel like the achuchas has existed and continues to exist because it, it, it is so meaningful and it's needed. And um, I always feel like I, I wish more people had access to it or knew about it and, um, you know, just want to give that it's like um, encouragement for people to, to utilize it and have that space. So many people are connected. We joke and we say the Atucha for life, right? You never leave the Atuchas. And the reason why is because you go and, and for some individuals that, maybe don't have other people around them that are like-minded or didn't have that outlet or are trying to find their own identity or feeling accepted or, you know, have their own views maybe are not similar to other people around them or identify as indigenous or trying to discover and explore, like understand a little bit more their identity, like the Atreja does all of that, right? And it does it in such an accepting way at your own pace, right? It's therapy for all of us. And so, um, you know, just really want to encourage people to check it out. And now that uh, we're living in a virtual world, you can access um, a lot of the services anywhere. Definitely. I just want to express my gratitude. Thank you, Dolores. Um, I know that you've definitely been a treasure for us um, and everyone. Um, I'm just extremely grateful. I think one of the things that's really helped me is just um, reflecting a lot on my gratitude. Um, I think giving, um, I'm just really lucky and blessed and I just keep telling myself that I'm so lucky and blessed. I'm lucky and blessed that I found this space. I'm very lucky that um, I've seen my own growth and my own transformation as being a part of the HHS. Um, but more than anything, I mean, you know, the space is open, it's available. Um, come in, ask questions. Um, you know, there's so much, um, you know, I feel like Dolores really summed it up really nicely, but um, really is a community and it's open to all the community. And we hope to continue having it that way and, and um, available to everyone. So I just wanna say thank you again um, for inviting me, allowing me to share the little bit of knowledge that I know um, as a life learner. But more importantly, I'm just really grateful to the space and everything that's provided to the space and for the community. 
I think it's definitely something that we need right now. Yeah, th thank you all. We really appreciate you all being here today. And um, uh, it's always one of my favorite parts to hear how folks got connected to the Atuchas or why they continue to stay connected. So thank you for sharing that with me, um, with us today here. Yes, thank you. And um, well, we hope to continue the conversation. I don't think this is one that ends, right? It doesn't end once the pandemic's over. It doesn't end once the uprising is over. It's not going to be over, right? We're always fighting um, towards justice and towards um, uh, we're, we're helping, like you said, Robin, we're there to support our community. So the conversation never stops. Thank you so much. And yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you again for joining us. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow Tia Chuchas on social media. Please support our online bookstore. You can find the links in our podcast bio. Stay safe, stay creative. Tiawi.